Happy, happy, happy Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. My name is AJ Rose, and on the other line, via FaceTime audio, is my good friend in Baltimore, Jacob Kinder. Jake, say hi to the people. How's it going, everybody? It is really good to have you on the podcast, as is the case with a lot of first-time guests. You're someone I've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time. We weren't able to do it when you visited Boston a few weeks ago, but we're doing it now because I am slightly less technologically unsavvy than I used to be, and we are going to talk today about a lot of things, but I wanted to start off by just saying, how's your day? Um, I'm, I'm all right, man. You know, it's we're, we're three days removed from you know electing a really big jerk to the presidency. That is, that is a wonderful way to put it. And, you know, I, you know, I think every day has been a little bit better than the last. You know, I think, at least for me, it's, it's kind of resuming yeah, normal activities and, and not letting this beat me down, you know, too bad. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm on the upswing. That's good. And, oh, and I think that the arrival of the weekend was very necessary for people. And it helps when you have a new Tribe Called Quest album, which I still have to – if I had listened to it all the way through, we would talk about it. It's a bummer that I haven't so been on my – I haven't been on my – my ish, but we are going to talk about the first four episodes of the new season of Black Mirror because, uh, for those who haven't watched the show, the first seven episodes of Black Mirror, when it was still on BBC, were very good, and they take a uh, uh, they take place in a not too distant future, and they're about humanity's relationship with technology. And Jake and I, I think, process them correctly in that we can only watch one at a time, right? <laughs> like, yes. And it, they're they're deeply emotionally taxing and almost therapeutic. And I do you understand the the concept of do you get people who binge watch this show, Jake? I I don't understand it. Like I I think people just like view um, TV, especially like really disturbing dark TV, differently than I do. Like I. I'm, it's it's very common for me to sit in silence for 20 minutes after I, you know I watch something really hard, where some people can kind of just compartmentalize it and move on, um, and especially you know Black Mirror coming to Netflix, you know I've heard you know one of my roommates just binged the first four episodes of this most recent season. How he's an insane person <laughs> because holy shit. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in these four episodes, and like uh, the first couple seasons of Black Mirror, they they vary because they're one-offs. That's one of the great things about the show is that some of the episodes are great and some of them are less great, but that's why we have to talk about them. So we'll jump right in, we'll go in chronological order, and we'll talk about Nosedive, the first episode. We're going to go forward presuming that everybody has seen the show, but like a 30-second little elevator pitch for this episode, Nosedive, is Bryce Dallas Howard, the redhead from Jurassic World who was running in high heels. She uh, she lives in a world that's based on Yelp for people, and you rate every single interaction, and people are sort of constantly, not just on social media, but in real everyday life now, trying to project the uh, a superficial version of themselves, and it's it's alarming, but it's very well done. So what did you like about the episode, Jake? I I liked that we're we're in this world now. Um, I mean, Black Mirror. So, as you know, as you mentioned, you know, some episodes are are great, some are not so great. It's you know, it's an antho- anthological show, and that's going to happen. Um, but a, a criticism that I've heard of at least the first few seasons, but not so much of the most recent one, is that these you know the worlds that that brooker builds are dystopian and 
you know, I think for some people, what turns them off about it, you know, especially, you know, the first ever episode is that it's so hard to imagine things like this happening. You know, you think about White Bear, you know, you know, how could we ever get to the point where we monetize justice or where, you know, Trump fucks a horse? Right, um, right, right, right. And, and you're talking about Charlie Brooker, the guy who's written all the episodes, all 13 of them. I am, yeah. I, I guess I'm, I'm talking as if, you know, the... The audience is up on their Black Mirror game. I suppose that that may not be true. I, I, I would hope that they are, but we just gotta, you know, double check. Yeah. And uh, I, you're right. So the the first episode of Black Mirror, when spoiler alert, the prime minister has to have sex with a pig, or the episode in White Bear where this poor woman who committed a crime uh, is sort of part of a torture theme park. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 a little. It's it's from a when we say not too distant future, it seemed a little bit more distant than these more modern episodes where it seems right. really, really close. Well, yeah. And that's, and, and yeah, just getting back to nosedive. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, there are things that, you know, in the episode where, you know, they seem pretty far away. Um, but you know, this idea that, you know, in, in the episode, because everyone is rating every interaction constantly, their phone is always in their hand. Always and and that is something you see today. Even when people aren't using their phone, there's there's something kind of calming about just always having that device in your hands. And you know whether your hands in your pocket and you're kind of feeling it, um, or you know it's in your lap. You know your phone is like constantly touching you. And and yeah, so I think that at least you know comparing my own behavior to, you know, these horrible, terrifying dystopian futures. Um, now, it's kind of scary. I, you know, I've been noticing, you know, how much I have my phone in my hand ever since I've seen Nosedive. And it's also, uh, it, the scariest part for me was not necessarily the fact that all these people were uh, on their phones all the time because that's something that happens now, but that it really, your livelihood and the like the everyday thing, you can't fly a plane unless you have a, <laughs> like a certain number of a people have given you five stars. And it's right. that was the scariest part to me that I really, really, really hope we don't get there. But I thought, you know, when you're going to a job interview and people, you give people their name, sometimes they look on your Facebook page and just to check, like, is this person up to snuff? And that's yeah. sort of the the beginnings of what the episode is about and then the was it satisfying for you the end of the episode where Bryce Dallas Howard goes to this wedding I totally forget her character's name by the way so glad we did our research Uh, but she goes to she goes to a wedding with all these uppity people who are rated in the high fours and she just gives this this speech that she's practiced to just in order to get her score up to rent a certain house right to buy a condo or something and then to, to live in a certain neighborhood and then she goes and just blows it and everything goes wrong and her average score just plummets and she gets taken to jail and was it was it satisfying or was because for me i had to watch it in between my fingers oh my god yeah i mean when when she actually gets to the wedding and you know you hear that that sound you know of the of you know the receiving a negative rating and you know it's just a chorus of them and you can the just score plummet because um, you know that I mean obviously the score is is you know a, a representation of social capital right um, so it's 
you know, it's not her losing Facebook friends. It's her, I mean, it's, uh, you know, ultimately it's her losing her freedom. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrifying. And, and I was kind of worried that, that Brooker might do this thing where, you know, she goes, she lives in a society that's completely based on, you know, false interactions and fake happiness. And then she goes and she gives this really impassioned speech that's honest and, and vulnerable. And that breaks through, you know, this kind of bullshit facade society. Um, that'd be a, that'd be, that'd be a very optimistic way to do the episode. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I should have known, you know, it's black mirror. It's not going to happen, but like, I think like they kind of teased that a little bit and I was just like, Oh, that would be kind of shitty because I, I don't know. I, I just think that would be like really cliche and not. Kind of yeah, abs- absolutely. I do not think it would have been Black Mirror, and I don't think that people who watch the show ex- uh, expect that. Except, but you're right. When uh, Bryce Dallas Howard needs to get a ride to this wedding and encounters this woman who's got like 1.7 stars and is like, "I got this way because I tell it like it is, and you shouldn't be afraid to tell it like it is." Right. And she, uh, and Bryce Dallas Howard's like, "Okay," <laughs> and yes. goes to the wedding and gives this baloney speech. And then she practiced anyway, uh, and and then just goes off on a tangent and and just goes goes ape shit. And then the episode ends with her in jail, seeing another person, and finally sort of letting loose and saying things unencumbered by this voting system. And that is the point. But that <laughs> when you're unencumbered by the voting system, you happen to be in jail, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's probably the best ending you're gonna get out of this show. Um, but it still ends with her, you know, her freedom being stripped. But overall, if I, and so it's a weird thing to say, would you, would you say that's uh, relative to the episodes of black mirror? That's like pretty good. Is it very good? Is it like an all timer? Where, where, where do you put it? So you, so you want me to rate this episode? I mean, I'm not ra- asking you to rate it out of five stars. That'd be a little <laughs> too on the nose, but I'm saying just relative to the other black mirror episodes. Sure. Um, I, I liked it. I mean, I, I think it was, you know, it was a pretty strong departure from from past episodes, just in terms of um, cinematography and and kind of like overall theme. I mean, it wasn't as like out, you know, overtly bleak as you know some things that you find later in the season and, and in previous seasons. Um, and I actually kind of appreciated that. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'd probably put it around the middle, but maybe you know a little bit on the on the higher echelon, fifty fifth percentile. Yeah, sure, let's yeah, that. three stars. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll we'll keep rolling right into the next one, which is a uh, definitely a, a, a darker one, a more viscerally darker one in playtest, yeah. where the traveler an american traveler goes uh, around the world and then to the uk and becomes a guinea pig for a company testing out a new sort of advanced level of vr and it goes it goes pretty deep and then we realize how deep we've gotten and it's you and one of the great things about black mirror is each episode can sort of be its own genre thing so we get uh, a 15 minute sort of horror movie set piece which is very nice in in where a person alone in a, in a house, except with a Black Mirror twist on it. I thought that it was excellent and not maybe not a top five Black Mirror episode, but like right right on the borderline of that. Uh, did did you enjoy Playtest? 
I I thought it was probably the weakest of the ones that we're going to talk about today. All right. Um, so I I would actually put it put it kind of in the in the basement of Black Mirror. Episode, nice. You put it down there down there with the Waldo moment. Yes, I, I would put it down there with the Waldo moment. Um, even though Wal- even though Waldo is now actually president. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I mean, I th- I thought it was I I thought it was again kind of a pretty big departure from past Black Mirror. Um, Definitely. Just just in that it was like clearly like Brooker's take on horror, um, and even though he makes like disturbing shit, this was different. In that, like, he actually wanted to scare you um, in ways that I think have you know ha- have not previously been shown in, in previous episodes. I uh, attended PAX East a couple months ago and, or was it, it must've been more than a couple months ago. It might've been like this past March or something. And I went to a panel where people were talking about VR and they were getting giddy and excited over, you know, virtual reality communities that are going to happen in, in, in the near future, next five, 10 years, if they can manage it, where people can all commune and sort of go to a rave party in VR or et cetera, et cetera. And right. And it was, it was, it was, there was a small part of me that was excited about it because it's a cool concept in theory. And then it's kind of hippie that just all these people were just ecstatic at the idea of escaping their reality and going into someplace else. And then watching play tests, uh, I think the guy had a little different feel. The actor who's what's I forget the main guy's name. This is this is great. We're 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 just on fire with that. But that's that's it's kind of unimportant. Um, he seems he seems kind of just like oh this seems kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's, it's, Honestly, I, I think the reason I didn't I wasn't a huge fan of this episode is I found the main character super unlikable. I I think that that's. Uh, totally plausible and he doesn't he seems like kind of a dunce and just a dude uh, who looks like he he didn't quite make the cut to be in Kings of Leon and <laughs> and and then uh, the la- he spends the last 20 minutes of the episode just red in the face yelling which is a tough tough piece of acting to do but it's it's yeah. also gets to be get gets to wear on on the viewer but in the end, we find out that uh, there are, it, it, we, we go a couple of inception layers with the VR. Did w- did that legitimately shock you more than any of the horror elements of the episode? Uh, n- no. I, I thought um, you know the the idea of, of losing memory was you know obviously very salient in that episode and thought you know that, that you know, it, it wouldn't be surprising if we went you know a layer too deep, especially when dealing with you know being thrown into a different reality. Um, so so that wasn't shocking. I thought the the fucking um, the dude that appears like right as he comes down the staircase, like the the nineteenth century Jack the Ripper bully version. Yes, yes, um, yes. That scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> and, with, and and I think that like what. What this probably says something more about me than um, than Brooker is the thing that really like put me on edge in a way that um, horror movies really don't generally was him looking at the painting and the light coming on in the painting 
Yeah, oh my and god. And guy being at the window. Are you fucking kidding me? I I was pissing myself during that. Which is funny because it's such like a a subtle thing, and it's it's not. Yeah, you know, I, I guess there's nothing horrifying about that, but you know more than you know a giant arachnid coming towards you. You know that that shit is fucking terrifying. Yeah, I as someone who like Ron Weasley does not like spiders, I was not a fan of the enormous arachnid. <laughs> yeah. Not at all, With really. The face of your fifth grade tormentor. Yeah, and and the fact that I really don't do horror movies at all. So second episode in a row, I'm watching it like with a blanket over my head, and uh, I'm thankful that I was watching it with friends because if I was alone, I would have paused it and just stopped watching the episode. I, I there's also just the the obvious parallel that they draw between the main character. Is it the main character's dad had Alzheimer's and then died, yeah. and then them talking about him at a certain point. He believes in this VR that he's lost his memory and he doesn't know who he is. And it's that is has always been my deepest fear is uh, is lose is so that's why I've never watched that Julianne Moore movie Still Alice and never will. Yeah, yeah. Like just just absolutely cannot deal with that. But to see uh, for for whatever reason we don't, I guess we don't think about what it must like. What it must be like for a person, but we accept it because it's a thing that happens. Whereas if it's the result of some corrupt corporate gaming thing taking your memories, then it's it's truly just a horrific experience. Yeah, and I also thought that uh, the end was fit a fitting for Black Mirror. Brooker, you know, can't and. Uh, the as as we'll get to later, there's only one episode that truly has a happy ending, and even that is sort of, uh, yeah. We'll we'll get to it, and then, yeah. but the guy apparent the, the 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 most perhaps the most horrifying thing of the whole thing is the fact that the entire experience, this horror VR experience that the character uh, had, only took four hundredths of a second. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and of course he called his mom. Right. Or his his mom called her, or yeah, his mom called him, right? It was it was yeah. Isn't that what happened? He gets an incoming call. He gets an incoming call, and then uh, the woman who was testing him, the the main head of the corporate gaming thing, says, "Make a note of the fact that he yelled his mom's name," and she decides right. to put that in the notes as he called mom. Oh, so just just. Just, just horrid irony. <laughs> that, <laughs> because, and now we can move into the because I think uh, we can both agree that the episodes three and four are better than episodes one and two uh, yeah, of this. I, I got, I got one final note on on playtest. Go for it. So I think, I think maybe one of the reasons I was, I was critical of this one is because I think when I'm and like some episodes you can't do this. But, like, with some episodes of Black Mirror, I kind of forget that I'm watching Black Mirror so that, like, I'm, you know, a world is being built for me. Um, you know, it's, it's often dark, but, you know, there's not, there's not a guarantee that things are going to spiral horribly out of control. You know, I kind of lose myself in these worlds. Absolutely. Um, and with this one, it was just like, this dude is a fucking idiot. He's... <laughs> He's signing up to, like, be thrown into re- a reality that, like, develops a horror game based on his subconscious. 
it, w- it was just like so obvious that things were going to go horribly wrong. And I guess they didn't go wrong in the way that everyone thought they would. Certainly not in the way that I thought they would. But it was just like it, it was like a horror movie, you know. It's like you knew you knew the bad guy was going to come in and kill some people, and and that was just kind of a bummer because I think like what's great about Black Mirror is you kind of lose yourself in the world, and like when the twist comes, as it often does, it really kind of sticks with you. And that uh, actually does lead right into the the next episode shut up and dance which i uh i watched these out of order so i just watched shut up and dance last night so it's very fresh in my mind and one of the things that kept gnawing at me as i was watching the episode and i'm sure it gnawed at you the first time you watched it was when the main character a young kid uh gets caught uh masturbating on a internet camera and then gets and then get yeah Kenny right and then gets yeah. and then gets threatened by uh, an anonymous uh, uh, email and then texts saying you have to do this or we're gonna leak the video. I thought well you know there are worse things to have on the internet than there there are plenty of videos of people of all every creed and color masturbating everywhere on the internet and that is what so I thought that this guy was kind of just a young naive guy going through with this for uh, for a bad reason as opposed to Bronn from Game of Thrones his b- partner in crime doing it because he didn't want to lose his kids and that that twist is one of my favorite Black Mirror twists in that it's not a visual twist it's just a factual twist yeah yeah I mean I so what's so interesting about this episode and I I fucking love this one um was that I mean I watched it with people that that mentioned kind of throughout like why is he doing this like as as the demands get crazier and crazier why is this kid still complying if the only thing that these guys have on him is a vid- video of him jacking off and I actually didn't think that way because I I remembered being you know sixteen or I, I know I don't know how old he's supposed to be in the in the episode but like. You know, even as something as silly as that, like, would be devastating. Absolutely, yes. Especially as as a young kid who is, you know, just, like, filled with insecurities. And obviously, you know, the kid is portrayed as, like, really socially awkward. Like, fuck, man. Like, I'd I'd probably rather fight a grown man to the death than have that shit leaked. And... I, I thought that uh, the the building up of it was pretty good, and the opening where you see the the woman driving the car into the garage, you knew that would come up later. That was a nice little two second intro to the thing, and yeah, I I also really enjoyed the fact that this poor guy Kenny, uh, when he goes and has to rob this bank, that he pees his pants. Yeah, well, I mean that kid deserves a fucking Emmy for this episode. I mean, just him him breaking down when Braun is berating him in the car and then the, the scene of the robbery, I thought was just unbelievably powerful and believable. Saying, just say, I love how he says, because the line that we're always used to hearing in, in bank robberies is, give me the money. And in here, he's just like, give me money. Yeah. <laughs> and I need lots of it. And he's, cl- and like, I also... I need lots of it. <laughs> I also really loved the fact that he didn't put the sunglasses on until he was already going from the car to the bank and they didn't cover up his eyes at all. Not at all. 
that was that was my favorite. That was my favorite little touch of the whole episode. In in the 21st century, uh, a baseball hat and uh, a sunglasses will you know fool even you know the the top detection systems is is just such a joke. Big time joke. Yeah. Did so if if (laughs) if you did something embarrassing and (laughs) like what's your cutoff point if if the people are texting you? Uh, probably the bank robbery. <laughs> Ditto. I, I would. I'd probably take a day off of work and and bike really fast. Um, but yeah, I, I think when when it comes to when it comes to that, I think I would. I I also this this was uh, of the four episodes. This had the biggest laugh for me because I thought that uh, you made the point that nosedive the first episode was a departure because it didn't take place in Britain and it was. Uh, just it didn't feel as British, but this one when they uh, when Bron runs into and I'm calling him Bron because this is Bron. <laughs> I think I'm allowed to do that. Uh, he runs into some some woman he knows and has to chat her up and they have to go drop her off even though they're in the middle of. I thought that was the most British thing of all time, where they were like too polite to tell her that they couldn't give her a ride and she's like oh no it's just around the corner you know you'd hardly have to slow down it wouldn't be a bother at all and it's like oh it's like that's <laughs> that was a one as, as the anonymous group is like berating both of them on their cell phones for like failing the mission i also loved that uh you hear both the sounds of both their phones and i think bronze phone was like a quack yeah well yeah i mean black mirror is just so good with that it's just like these these little technological sounds that we hear all the time in our daily lives, and and just kind of the anxiety that they can inspire, um, when kind of used, you know, over and over again as a motif. And I thought that it was uh, an excellent little tiny piece of acting by the man who Kenny has to fight to the death at the end with the drone who who really just sort of drops the biggest ball and says there's no way you were just masturbating in that video how young were the kids you're looking at and then we go back to Kenny and Kenny does a great piece of acting because uh, he won't say it by saying nothing yeah yeah and, and I think he responds that young huh yeah Jesus something like Jesus that? And <laughs> fucking devastating. And of and uh, we did when when Kenny then takes the gun that he used to rob the bank and start, uh, points it first at the guy and then to himself. You're like, well, there's no way there's a bullet in there. You can't take yeah. the that's that's too easy for an episode of Black Mirror. Uh, so two things. One, I I and I know the answer to this question. I want you to talk about what you thought about the Radiohead, the use of the Radiohead song at the end. And two. What did you think of the actual use of the famous troll face on the the text? Because that was uh, shocking to me. I did not expect to see that face, uh, which has been on the internet for years and years, uh, in an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, I I mean, I I think that was kind of uh, an ode to, like, internet culture. Yeah. Like, Like, I think a bunch of geeks got their fucking rocks off to that. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, maybe it was it was in part, you know, um, kind of showing, you know, the potential for, you know, this this like savagery, you know, associated with, you know, kind of, you know, internet culture. 
definitely with with just the the the, the darkest depths of YouTube comments and fan fiction forums and all, all of that all of that madness that that other part that deep internet and what that would be like if people could actually uh, once they get your dirty laundry what they could do with it but I th- my favorite shot of the entire episode and. Uh, when the radio had, you warned me that the Radiohead song was coming, and it came, and it was really good. And one of the great things about Radiohead songs is if you if you sort of don't focus on it so intently for a second, then the peak of the song sneaks up on you and really hits you. And it totally yeah. does in that in that montage in that moment when all the different people who Kenny runs into, who are clearly also being told what to do, have their dirty laundry aired for everybody important in their lives to see. And the shot of the, as the song peaks and you see his face lit up by the cop cars, that is probably the, the best moment of that episode, uh, by far. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the entire season. Um, I mean, what was crazy about the song for me is that I know that song. You know, I I played the hell out of OK Computer when it came out, and it wasn't until that moment that I realized that I knew the song, is that I was so swept up in in what was happening on the screen because, you know, it, it really goes from zero to 100 pretty damn quick. Real quick. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I was I was just kind of... I mean, I I was watching it with my buddy, and like every thirty seconds, you know, we'd be watching, and then we just lock eyes immediately, just fucking bug eyed. <laughs> I was just being like, oh no. Um, yeah, I yeah I I I thought the troll face was so cool. I thought just the entire climax. I thought his her mom or his mom rather saying kids Kenny when he answered the phone. Yeah, not not even waiting just, for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Oh, brutal, brutal, and I I didn't love it as much as you. Maybe because I uh, I was waiting for the, the I was like this better have a really nice resounding thunderous ending, and it did. So that that, yeah. that definitely made it all worth it. And now I've it's it's really. It's really just been a preamble for me because I've talked about this episode on the podcast before, but I just really uh, wanted I really wanted to talk about San Junipero because yeah. it's uh, a breath of fresh air. A masterpiece. And yes, a masterpiece. And uh, I would there 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 are a couple episodes of Atlanta that I would hold up there, but I think it's probably my favorite episode of television this year. Although uh, Battle of the Bastards and the season ending of Game of Thrones were really good too, but I I would still probably put it as my favorite. So San Junipero is the probably the the happiest version of a Black Mirror episode you could possibly have, right? Yeah. And did it was it to to me one of the coolest things about uh, this particular episode is it was allowed to be a period piece. And then multiple period pieces, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and and then yet it manages to to wrap the whole thing in uh, a layer of realness that's really comes completely crystallized in the final uh, monologue by uh, Kelly's character when they're both in San Junipero in the end, and then right. she talks about her family. That's that's 
uh, probably the best run of dialogue or monologue, certainly the of of any Black Mirror episode I've seen. And what did you? What did you? Did you buy into the whole world of San Junipero from the beginning? Did you think it was a the world where these characters actually existed, or were you thinking from the start this is some sort of projection? I was horribly confused for, for, for probably the first half an hour of this episode. Um, I I checked to make sure I was watching Black Mirror. I think twice <laughs> in like the opening act. Um, because I was so, I was so thrown off by, by not only it you know being in the '80s, but it being like a caricature of the '80s. I mean, like I I guess I knew in the back of my head that it was you know a projection that it wasn't real. Um, but I, I mean, I spent much of the episode just kind of you know gazing dumbly at the screen, um, <laughs> as opposed to like any like you know trying to figure out what the what the hell is going on i found myself lost i was like holy crap we're having a meet cute in in a black mirror episode <laughs> and yeah. uh i don't know the actress who plays kelly's name but yorkie is played by mackenzie davis and uh it certainly helps that the two of them are just outrageously attractive <laughs> outrageously attractive but uh for the two of them you just immediately get engrossed in in them meeting and dancing and then when they have this moment together it's 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 i felt was like holy are we are we in like a romance movie what is what is going on and then when we finally go to different time periods uh you start getting a sense of well this is this this was definitely too good to be true the whole time and we find out that it's just a virtual reality program for people to upload their consciousness into uh, either for periods of time and then we find out that when you die you can just sort of be in there in perpetuity and you really liked the idea that a bunch of people if they were given the chance to spend eternity in this quote unquote bliss that they would turn to darker things well yeah I mean that that was kind of um exemplified by the the quagmire right yeah the place the quagmire where they got the uh, also i don't know what the deal is with 2016 and just orgy scenes and just just uh grotesque over the top like sex dungeons but they 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 happen like remarkably often there it happens in an episode of westworld and it happens in an episode of black mirror and it i i I think that uh they, we've definitely filled our quota of that in 2016, but I think it wor- certainly works best in San Junipero because you don't, you're not scared of any of these people. You end up feeling bad for them. Eventually, yeah. Because I, I think when when Yorkie first visits it, um, at least me, I think people had this figured out kind of way before I did. I think I was kind of the last one across that finish line. Um, but I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, so I just kind of thought it was a bunch of vagrants. Um, and but, sorry, go ahead. And did you when when we get to the fact that they're actually well, actually, I'll, I'll ask you what was the the most devastating part of the episode for you? Oof, there's a lot to choose from. Um, I think you know. Um, I think when you first see Kelly as Kelly when you see her in the real world. I, I don't know why that was so hard for me. Um, 
but but just realizing that you know she is she is a woman with not long to live that is almost certainly meeting a woman you know that you know is is confined to a wheelchair that's kind of what i thought um when it was clear that this was you know a projection um but just kind of seeing her and you know the camera is kind of fixated on her face for a long time and you you see like the wrinkles and you know like all the life that she's lived I don't know why that was that was so hard for me um but I think once we actually got into the real world and and outside the you know the cushy projection that's when it started getting really hard for me I thought that uh just the shot of her being helped into the car Yes. is uh, an incredible moment because a couple minutes before we see her in the prime of her life dancing with her hair all big and just in in bliss. And then I thought the actress who plays Old Kelly was superb in her three or four scenes. Uh, that's, that's, that's one thing we should say about the acting on Black Mirror, that uh, main character of Playtest aside, and, and even that guy did okay. I think the, yeah, va- I the vast majority of the acting on Black Mirror is excellent. And right. you you really, you can have as Brooker could write as well as he could possibly write and the cinematography and all that. If you don't have the acting to match it, then it all sort of goes to shit. Um, just ask House of Cards. Uh, <laughs> well, I, mean, I think that that says so much either, you know, about Brooker himself or just kind of the, you know, the culture that he cultivates over there mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's 12 different worlds. The actors are new every single time. It's different themes. It's different genres. And the actors are good to great every single time, every single time. They're awesome. It's it's remarkable and it's something I hope people don't take for granted. I'm glad it's on Netflix in perpetuity for people to watch. And I will say, and I, I'll say this again because I said it on my solo podcast, but uh, the scene where after Kelly and Yorkie, because for me the most devastating moment is seeing Yorkie in real life and seeing her yeah. unable to move in a bed and, you know, kind of not being able to move from the time having that accident when she was 21. And... Yeah realizing what the arrangement of her marriage to this very this guy Greg who also was a total breath of fresh air in this world seemed like a real person in like yeah. this black he, he was he was a good dude with good intentions yeah they exist <laughs> it was a wonderful reminder and then the scene where uh Kelly asks Greg can I talk to her for 5 minutes uh please I really need to talk to her and then they are back in San Junipero, and Kelly says, well, how would you like to marry me instead? And that was it. I was done. I was completely <laughs> done. Uh, I was, there was, there was just, I was a, I was a red snot running, teared running mess in my room. I'm so glad nobody, if, if the people from Shut Up and Dance had video of me <laughs> in that moment, I might, I might like do some messed up shit so that people You'd didn't have to see that. Banks. I'd rob several banks. Yes. Uh, and then the, it, 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 it brought, I love when they make commentary about the technology they've introduced in real time in the episode, which is what Kelly's character does when she says, you know, my husband decided not to be a part of San Junipero for eternity when he died because we had a daughter and she died before San Junipero existed. And it yeah. completely just 
brings the hammer down on the moral complexities of what that that sort of thing being introduced would do. Right. Yeah, I mean, because I think, you know, once we realize what San Junipero is, I mean, my reaction and the people that I watched it with were, you know, essentially, how great would this be if we could, you know, upload our consciousness and avoid death permanently? You know, how fantastic would that be? And then Kelly gets on camera and basically tells us to rethink that, you know, um, in kind of an extreme and, and visceral way. And it, and it totally works. And it, you know, it makes you question, you know, everything. I mean, it, it makes you question whether, you know, you would take this choice um, if, you, if you could. And I don't have an answer for that. I absolutely I, do not have an you? answer. I think, I think uh, ultimately when Yorkie says that, oh, when she's trying to convince Kelly to come to San Junipero with her and cross over, as she terms it, with her, she says you can come and you can stay with me forever. And if you don't and you decide that you don't want you, they can unplug you and you can just sort of cease to exist. And I think that for me and we were, we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago about this, how I think a lot of people would choose San Junipero and spend several years there and be happy and eventually grow tired of it. And then, unplug themselves I think that's probably what I would do yeah I think that's like well one and I think we talked about this too a few weeks ago is that you know once you got there I think every day you stayed there it might be harder to leave Um, yeah and then two is that you know if you're if you're coming at it from Kelly's perspective um where you know you you have qualms about doing it because this wasn't offered to other people, um, or you know just believe morally that you know it's it's immoral that you know death is death and it's and it's a part of life and you're subverting that and even you know even if you you know you know spend an afternoon in San Junipero and then turn it off, you've still kind of cheated death in a way that you can't ever take back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's that's why this is my favorite episode of Black Mirror, um, because it's not it's not about how humans are horrible and they're going to abuse any kind of technology that they're given. It's it creates this really interesting moral question about what is death what is consciousness and if you know we had the power to cheat death um you know would we and should we and the ending of the episode is uh fittingly bittersweet because we see first first i love how they i love how brooker's like you know what we're gonna have a shot of kelly's grave going into the ground and uh and mackenzie and mackenzie david and yorkie just sort of driving up to the house and is is kelly gonna be there and then we're like oh kelly's there and then and then they get to drive away together down the coastline as uh ube like heaven is a place on earth plays the soundtrack for this episode is unreal Unreal. I the the I don't know what they must have paid for the copyrights to all these songs, but it's so good. Uh, and then and then we see their consciousnesses up. You know these little tiny like USB things put into 
uh, an enormous warehouse with thousands and thousands and thousands of other people's kind con- like brains or whatever. And yeah, I mean, as as heaven is a place on earth plays, which is just a, such a beautiful <laughs> choice of song. And uh, one of my friends was like, "What if there's a power surge?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Some people are saying like the last scene is like a lightning strikes, like a transformer. <laughs> And just Santino Parrot just gets blanked. Which is just, yeah, it's it's so tragic. The only response I have is just a giggle. Like that would be the most Black Mirror thing of all time. <laughs> I don't think I would watch another episode. Yeah, absolutely that. not. No, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> like as as good as it is, man. Like a, a guy can only take so much. Brooker's just cackling to himself as he's writing the last like slug line. He's just like, <laughs> fucking Mr. Burns. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad that we're in agreement though, because that is my favorite episode of Black Mirror because it's the it's the sort of more introspective, uh, explorative side of what these advances in technology could mean, not the bleak human beings are all fundamentally evil (laughs) uh exploration that happens in the other episodes but i i well i was gonna say i I think people have this misconception at least when i talk to them about black mirror that that technology is bad you know that like that's what this show is about is that it's you know it's a warning for you know why we should all go live in the woods or like some shit like that just go off go off the row Right. Um, and I don't think that's right. I think, and, you know, many, many people have written about this, um, is that, you know, because of the society that we live in, um, is that this is how we are going to inevitably use these new creations. Um, but, it, I mean, it really, Black Mirror is about people. Um, Absolutely. And technology is just kind of the vessel to explore humanity in that way. And maybe it's just going to... Black Mirror is... And the the title of the show is Technology is What is Going to Reveal like How Messed Up We Truly Are. Yeah. Type deal. And right. I, uh, I'm very glad that we got to talk about those things and talk about those four episodes. I'll have you yeah, back on the show for uh, to talk about the last two and maybe to talk about another show if we feel so inclined but we're not done here yet because uh, as it turns out the two two of us talk about a lot more than just one tv show and you are a resident of ann arbor michigan and you are a resident what were they okay 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 you 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 grew up you grew up in ann arbor and and you're a very large fan of the michigan wolverines and they happen to be I think they're ranked third in the country in college football right now and for as someone who has lived in Boston his whole life uh, and really doesn't understand the craze of college football you are really my only vessel into the the maniacal world that is like mainstream college football and what what has it been like to root for uh, uh, a team that used to be a national power had a fall from grace and now is back it's it's been delightful <laughs> uh, this season this season has been you know kind of a dream you know I mean it feels it feels not quite real um, you know every kind of reminder that 
that Jim Harbaugh coaches, you know, the football team that I happen to grow up with and love is, is just a treat every time, you know, I, I read a blog post or, you know, check my Twitter. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's been a dark eight years, you know, basically from, from 08 to 2015. Um, there's one kind of 11 win season peppered in there, which is the most bullshit 11 win season in the history of college football. Just ask Notre Dame fans. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's surreal. I mean, like I, I have a group text with my brothers who both, who both attended U of M for undergrad and, you know, half of, half of our texts during games are either just, you know, emojis, um, or just, you know, some variant of, I can't fucking believe this is happening. I mean, because we, we, this is new to us. You know, you are a Patriots fan. Yep. Excellence is expected. Absolutely. Um, And given. And and like, (laughs) and you know, I'm forming that now, but it's, it it is crazy. um, How quickly he has brought us back to, to prominence. What a gifted man-child genius. <laughs> and here, so here's the question, because fan bases, different sports fan bases, take on different mindsets and different reactions to success. The Cubs fans, as their team was going to the World Series this year, never really allowed themselves to build hope up in, in for fear of getting let down. And there are other fans, like Bostonian sports fans, who are just like, you know, we're going to win the damn title. I don't care what anybody says. So with Michigan fans, as they continue to be undefeated and roll towards a, a potentially historic bout with Ohio State and, you know, who knows, maybe the national championship, are you sort of taking the the ca- casual optimistic approach or are you sort of like, let's freaking do this? I, I'm probably a step down from the casual optimistic side. <laughs> I'm like, like, so you, like you mentioned the Cubs, like there were, you know, there are, you know, thousands of, you know, senior citizens in Chicago that I think, you know, for their own health, you know, would not allow themselves to get excited about this, you know, Chicago Cubs team. Cause the Cubs would literally kill them. If you know they blew a seven-game series, I think I think there had to have been one person in Chicago who had a heart attack and died when Rajai Davis hit the home run in the eighth inning of Game Seven. I mean, I I read a few stories in the Tribune of like perfectly healthy Chicago Cubs fans who like two days after they won the shit just up and died. <laughs> <laughs> like, like their dreams were satisfied, and they could meet their creator. That shit. That shit every, is crazy. Yeah, because I mean, there was this incredible story about this guy who, who took like a radio and like a, a folding chair and like went to his dad's gravesite because he promised him that he would watch his dad, you know, win a World Series. Ugh. Um, and. So so yeah. Um, so I, Michigan. So Michigan. <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to beat Ohio State. Um, mm. Experts say I'm wrong. Probably most Michigan fans say I'm wrong. Ohio State fans that I've talked to, um, 
I, I do keep an arm's length relationship with some of these folks. Um, they are optimistic because because why wouldn't they be? I mean, I, I think it's fucking eleven out of twelve or something. Eleven out of twelve uh, Big Ten titles. No, of the last twelve times we played. Ah, that's eleven times. And I mean, luckily I was I was there to see the one Michigan victory. Um, but you know, it's 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 just this thing where you know stats be damned. You know, I I just. I refuse to believe that they won't run for 7.2 yards per carry and burn us on play action. And somehow Urban Meyer will have, you know, infiltrated our coaching staff and, and know all our plays before the game. I mean, I, I would love to be wrong. I would love more than anything to be horribly wrong about this. Um, but it's kind of just like, I, I don't believe it until I see it at this point. I think it would be an incredibly interesting scenario if it was a close, close Ohio State victory and then we get down to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then the fourth college playoff spot comes down to Michigan and Louisville. That'd be a very interesting scenario. Yeah. I mean, so so Michigan fans are talking about that, I think, just because they're, they're terrified of Ohio State and figuring out kind of who's is there any way to to lose the Big Ten but still kind of sneak in there? Um, and I think we need a ton of help. Um, I think I think one is that Ohio State would need to lose in the Big Ten championship game to free up a spot. Washington would have to lose um, probably the Pac-12 championship game, which they could. Colorado is damn good. Um, and I think maybe a few other things would kind of have to tip our way. Maybe even Clemson losing before, so we'd be you know two instead of three, right? Um, you know, and and you know, I don't think, I mean, Bama's not going to fucking lose. I don't know if you saw what they did today, but they they, they are not going to lose at all. I think they're going to win the whole thing. Yeah, I think so too. They are the worst dynasty in modern professional sports. <laughs> the least likable. They have the least personality, and I just love rooting against them yes and I I really hope Michigan beats Alabama in the national title game hey you and me both bud uh one last thing before you go if this I'm just I'm just throwing this at you 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 you're not prepared for this you have to rank between these four guys who you'd want on your your NBA basketball team for the next <laughs> 10 years Four, four big guys. C- can I answer now? Is, yes. Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> He's a top five player now. You're Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, and Chris Stapps Porzingis. I think as like a homie, Embiid for sure. Embiid, um, Embiid saying that when he got to campus, people had misconceptions about Africa, yeah. so he told them he hunted lions is the greatest thing ever. As like a six-year-old, like I, I, he, he said like he wasn't allowed back into his village until he brought them like a, a full male lion's pelt. That's the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, he is fucking brilliant. <laughs> I, mean, I I hope he turns out to be the best basketball player of all time because he is he is the next Muhammad Ali. He, as he, far as just pure swagger. 
I mean, I I love watching him play. It's it's I'm scared watching him play because I'm just scared he's gonna injure himself every single time. But I really yes. I hope he never gets injured ever again. I hope nobody gets injured ever again. But you know, uh, right. particularly guys like him and Anthony Davis who have been. Anthony Davis gets every single minor injury and Joel's had, you know, missed the last two years. I ultimately would take Anthony Davis. Yeah. That dude is the freaking truth when he's playing. And it just so happens that he is surrounded by just the most delicious shit sandwich of a roster you could ever put together around him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So you're taking Towns. I'm taking Cat, yeah. Uh, but we would both rather get a beer with Embiid. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, w- without a doubt. And would we rather go clubbing with Embiid or Porzingis? Because <laughs> Porzingis <laughs> would know all the places in New York, and he's he's uh, <laughs> Michael Rappaport. Uh, even though he's Latvian, he calls he calls him the Latvian gangbanger. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be incredible to go out in New York with Chris Dabbs. Dude, he has he has literally shed his Eastern European accent in a year and has like adopted like the Queen's Bridge, like it's awesome. Er- early nineties, like hard ass slang. <laughs> Dude is the truth. Oh, uh, okay. I, I'm worried that if if I, I keep the ball rolling here, we're gonna end up talking for three hours on a podcast and nobody's gonna listen to the whole thing. So Fair I enough. I want to. Do you do you feel comfortable giving out any social media where people can follow you on here, or would you rather keep your anonymity? I I don't have social media. Oh right. Um, oh, that's that's a podcast in and of itself. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so I mean, what I was going to say about nosedive. One more thing is like in that world, social media is everything, right? Right. I mean, the way you interact online has so many ramifications for how you act in real life. Um, but it's so great to kind of be off the grid. I guess I'm on LinkedIn. Does that count? No. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, if anyone wants to endorse me for, like, PowerPoint or research, <laughs> look up your boy, Jacob Kinder. Amazing. I, 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 you forever in the history of this podcast will be the first person, and I hope the only person, to plug their LinkedIn account. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. That's, that's a high bar. So, you can listen to all episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire the AJ Rose Show on iTunes, Google Play, and you can listen to us at soundcloud.com slash fighting fire with fire. You can get in touch with us in three ways. You can tweet at us at the AJ Rose Show. Email us, ajroshow at gmail.com, or get to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Show. Jake, thank you so much for being on this podcast. This was a ball and long overdue, and I can't wait to have you back. Say bye to the people. Bye, people. This was great, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. For Jacob Kinder, I'm AJ Rose. We will see you guys next time. Cheers. <laughs>